0: Thank you for listening to the prevention podcast brought to you by Casa Trinity. Hope begins here. This month we're joined on the podcast by Jessica Fierro, who is a prevention specialist in Chemung County. She's here to talk about peer pressure in middle school and high school and the tools that students need to be able to cope and get past those difficult moments. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and review and share it on social media. Let's spread the word and get these resources out into the community. Okay, Jessica Fierro, thanks so much for joining the Prevention Podcast. Um, if you don't mind just taking a minute to sort of introduce yourself and talk about a little bit about the role that um, you're in at Casa Trinity.
1: Sure. Um, so I'm Jessica Fierro. I am a prevention specialist with Casa Trinity. Um, I've been with the company coming up on three years now. Um, and before that I worked for public health, um, with the, uh, Southern tier tobacco awareness coalition. Um, so my role really is in schools. I'm school based 10 months out of the year. Um, I talked to middle schoolers, elementary schoolers, high schoolers, um, and really just try to reiterate to them the importance of making good health decisions. So, um, even though i work for a you know substance abuse prevention organization we talk about a lot more than just drugs we talk about relationships and managing stress and managing time and all of those things that you need to become a successful adult so
0: yeah, sure, and uh, you know, as I've had these conversations and um, some of the episodes that that we've recorded and aired so far with the Prevention Podcast, um, I've learned uh, th- a lot about coping mechanisms and the importance of being able to manage that stress and those relationships so that people don't turn to um, you know other more dangerous coping mechanisms. Of course, is is that the role that you're you're trying to or or the you know, when we talk about prevention, obviously, is that what you're trying to to get at, especially with um, kids of that age?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's one thing to stand in front of a group of kids and say, hey, here's a bunch of science, like, mm-hmm. and I'm a huge science nerd. So like, I love to stand up there and talk about the science, but they're only hearing maybe 10 or 20% <laughs> of the sure. science. But if you start talking about, hey, You know, let's talk about friendships. Let's talk about romantic relationships. Let's talk about how you get along with your parents. All of a sudden, their ears kind of open up a little bit more. Um, And Mm -hmm. that really is kind of, we always just kind of reiterate that that's the root of prevention. Um, So the root of prevention really is to make kids care enough about their long term goals, right? And what's going to happen in the future that they want to listen to the rest of the facts and how is this going to affect my future.
0: Definitely. And, and do you see that they really absorb that information or get excited about it? Or what's their response when, when that, those conversations are happening? Uh,
1: that's such a funny question. <laughs> so <laughs> some kids are really into it. Like some kids, you can tell they talk about it at home. You can tell their parents, sit them down at the dinner table and are like, you know, hey, let's talk about the future because they're like, you know, listening. And then you have kids that are actively sort of like pushing back against me. And those are the kids that I always feel like, all right, I'm going to talk to you now because Mm -hmm. they're usually pushing back because they know the need, they feel the need, Mm -hmm. but there's something in them that just isn't connecting, you know, with going out and making good choices. Mm -hmm. So um, I get a, a variety of reactions. I've had kids stand up in the classroom and write on the whiteboard. I don't care about this in the middle of a presentation. Um, I have had kids who, you know, just want to be the, the, the little devil's advocate and and push back. And honestly, I, I really appreciate those kids. I really appreciate the fact that they do that um, because it gives me a chance to say, hey, I, I get that, that you don't want to hear this or I get that you're struggling with this. Let's dig in. Let's talk about it.
0: hmm. Yeah. I get it because you literally wrote it on the whiteboard in front of the
1: class. (laughs) It's right there. Uh,
0: Yeah. Kids are not quite as subtle as they think they are
1: sometimes. Oh, no. No, they're (laughs) not.
0: Um, what would you recommend to parents? You talked about, you know, some of the, you could tell some of the students really have these conversations in other venues. Um, and I'm sure many of them don't, um, and that's not necessarily anybody's fault, but what's the message that you would send to parents who are maybe struggling to find ways to have these conversations?
1: Yeah. So, um, I always tell people it's never too early. I think a lot of parents are afraid to approach kind of things they consider heavy subjects really early. Um, And I have, you know, three boys, two of them are now actual adults, like, and one is still at home, one's a third grader. So I've kind of gotten used to talking about big things now. Um, And I started talking about things like, you know, drugs, alcohol, health choices with my kids when they were quite young. Um, and you think they wouldn't be able to understand or absorb it, but they do. And it's actually easier. It's a lot easier when they're little to explain, Hey, you know, these are things that can harm your health. These are some of the things that might happen if you make these choices. And then as issues come up, it's easier to go, Oh, Hey, remember when we talked about that or they see, or they hear about somebody in the family or a friend's, you know, family or something like that. And they come to you. You mm-hmm. don't have to necessarily go to them now. Now they're coming to you and they're saying, you know, oh, hey, remember when you told me about this? I heard this at school and we can really dig in. So I would say it's never too early for parents. It's never too early to start talking about these things um, and make it a natural part of your day. You don't have to call yeah. a family meeting and sit everyone on the couch and be super formal. It can be as simple as, um, and this is what my own mom did. So I'm, you know, bleeding this from my childhood. Um, we'd be sitting at the table eating and out of the blue, she would be like, what would you do if somebody offered you a cigarette? <laughs> and we were all like, where's this coming from? But it was great because it kind of caught us off guard. Yeah. And we were able to kind of like come up with with things on the fly. And then she would kind of just say, well, hey, here's some of the, the strategies that you could come up with. So just, you know, make it natural, make it easy, make it approachable um, as early as you can, as early as they're going to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other piece of advice that I would give because I know as parents, we want our kids to learn from our mistakes. Um, be really cautious about saying, hey, when I was 13, I mm. went to this party in the woods because <laughs> the message you could end up sending is, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, save those stories for later, right? Don't yeah. lie, but you don't have to tell the whole truth. You can just kind of you can kind of weave your way around it. So, um, and if it helps to practice with another adult in your life, you know, go for it, do it. But these are mm-hmm. such important conversations that um, it's it's too important to wait for someone like me to come into your kid's school um, and give them like a one or two off presentation. It's yeah. it's way more valuable to make it like an everyday thing.
0: And the thing that I hear in, in the world that I'm in is is in marketing, social media. Um, And when I talk with parents or experts, I often hear that um, they're surprised at how early their kids are exposed to these conversations in um, what might be deemed as an unsafe venue like social media um, or even particular social media sites like Snapchat, where the conversation might just disappear or, um, you know, other other places where they're not in a situation, um, to have things explained, they're often just, um, bombarded by, um, whatever it might be. And, um, and it does happen at an earlier and earlier age. And so, um, have you seen, you know, over, over time and in your career that the advent of social media has, um, played an even bigger role in needing to have these conversations or forcing the conversations when people maybe aren't ready for them?
1: Yes, totally. Um, It is really, really hard to keep kids away from social media. Mm -hmm. You can have all the right kind of firewalls in place. You can have the apps that monitor. Kids are smart. And they will find ways to find this stuff out. So like I said, I have a third grader and um, he knows TikTok trends. He doesn't have a TikTok. He doesn't have a smartphone, Mm -hmm. but it it travels. So these things travel. Um, So what I really have seen that kind of concerns me the most is the amount of time that kids are using, especially things like TikTok. So one of the things that um, I will do if I go in and teach like life skills Um, One of the challenges there is, hey, over the weekend, you're going to track your screen time. Mm -hmm. And some of these kids come back and their screen time is, you know, it's not that bad. And then some kids come back and they're like, well, I had like 10 hours on YouTube and I had like 20 hours on, you know, TikTok or Snapchat. I'm like, well, how do you do that in one weekend? Mm-hmm. Well, they're leaving these things on. They're leaving YouTube on while they do homework. They're leaving it on while they fall asleep. They're putting it on first thing in the morning and just letting videos play. And it's really become sort of like a background, like comfort thing to them. Mm-hmm. So they're getting these subconscious messages that are coming in. And what we know about brains is the more a brain hears something, the more it sees something. you know, this in marketing, right? The more yeah. it's exposed to something, the more it remembers it, the more it tends to pull it forward. Um, so social media can be a great tool. It can be a really scary place for young people. Um, so we need to have conversations as often and early as we can, mm-hmm. not just about social media use, but also what you might see on it and how fake it is. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that really gets kids fired up, and I love teaching it when I get the chance, is um, sometimes I'll get the chance to talk about marketing. And how alcohol companies, marijuana companies, and uh, tobacco companies market. You know, they, they're smart. They know how to market. And specifically, sometimes they are marketing to kids in very sneaky ways, right? Mm-hmm. They're using kid-like imagery. They're using... Um, young people that, you know, look like they could just be out of high school. Um, their products are kind of looking more and more like, you know, kid-friendly products like soda mm-hmm. and, and gummies and things like that. So they know what they're doing. And when you talk to kids and you tell them, hey, you know, they're targeting you. They're making this seem great. They're not telling you anything that's bad. Um, it gets so mad. I actually had a sixth grader last week raise his hand and he said, I don't think I'm ever going to vape because you're making me really mad at these companies for targeting me. <laughs> I was like, that's the goal. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I think to, just talking about marketing and how marketing works and, you know, how it's not reality. It's more like you're really trying to sell a product mm-hmm. um, and kind of getting them in that mindset of, you know, just being skeptical about what you hear on social media, not trusting every single voice that comes out of it. You know, just because Mr. Beast drinks prime (laughs) doesn't mean everyone has to drink. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's kind of this, um, this balancing act between allowing them some freedom Mm -hmm. on social media because it is such a big part of our world, but still trying to be that voice of reason behind them.
0: Yep. Yep, and I think it's that's a balancing act that parents play so often, yeah. um, and so you know, on one hand they're familiar with it, but on the other hand, maybe exhausted from it as well. Um, and for people listening and thinking, well, when I was a kid, we always had the television on in the background, or we always had the radio on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, the internet and the things that you're describing are different. For a couple of reasons, number one, because they're not regulated by the FCC. Um, And number two, when you watch one video, because you're slightly curious about a topic, the recommendations that follow are intended to get you down that rabbit hole that we all know we've been down before. And those rabbit holes, as you're describing it, sound like they can be particularly dangerous for a younger developing mind. Um, yes. yeah. um,
1: for sure the the age that concerns me the most is that age between like 12 and 16, mm. um, just on a purely biological sense, their brains are like firing rapidly and they are hungry for information. So they are just taking everything in and trying to figure out what do I keep, what do I get rid of? um and so a young person who's seeing video after video after video of a particular topic you know that is becoming rooted in those brain systems of like mm. you know this is something that's true this is something that's interesting um and I had to combat it with my own kids my older boys you know believing every kind of everything they saw well this is the way it is everywhere um it's really hard to convince them that that's not true yeah. and one thing we know about that age is they're biologically wired to ignore us as parents. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's part of their development. They need yeah. it, but it's frustrating. It's really frustrating because you are coming over here going, I have all the expertise. I have all the experience. Like I know what I'm talking about. And their brains are like, yeah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, they're listening to their friends. They're listening to their peers. Um, you know, if all your peers are watching the same channels as you, if they're all getting those same videos as you, you're all of the same mind, it's really, really tough to convince them otherwise. So that's why my advice going back to starting as young as possible, I I can't stress that enough. Because if you make that a basis of who they are, you know, thinking individually, not being easily swayed by things, um, viewing those long-term goals, setting long-term goals, you know, really establishing... Who they are as a person, as a, as a young Mm -hmm. person, um, it's going to be a lot harder for those messages to take root as they get older.
0: Now, um. You talked about coping mechanisms and you talked about the fact that, you know, even if all of the protections or whatever are are in place, that that kids are going to be exposed to a lot of the trends and things because their friends are going to bring them to school, of course. Um, and, and it all goes back to this idea of peer pressure and, and being um, influenced by their peers. Um, And I wonder in the conversations that you have with these students, um, how do they see the difference between um, really developing good, healthy interests, um, activities, um, and even even thoughts and and things like that versus seeing something like a TikTok trend or, um, you know, the thoughts they might hear through internet videos and thinking that eventually those are their own thoughts. Like, how do, how do how do you describe the difference between just absorbing thoughts and feeling like they're their own or actually developing thoughts and going after those things?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. So really, it comes down to knowing what's important to them. Mm. Um, and that's why, like I said, our curriculums are not just, hey, here's some facts. They always start... With goals and values, like that's always where we start. That's the root of it. What is important to you? And I ask a lot of the high schoolers. I'll ask them, "Hey, we're going to make a list. You Mm -hmm. write down what's important to you. Where do you where do you put these values? You know, how do you decide if something's important to you? We talk about all of that stuff, right? How do you know if this is something you want, or if it's something everyone says that you should want, right? Um, And knowing what's important to you is kind of where you start. And then Mm -hmm. everything that comes at you. You just hold up against that, right? You hold it up and you say, this is my value. Does this meet my value? Does this align with my value? If not, is this really something I want? Or is this something Mm -hmm. everyone tells me that I should want? And I think that's, um, it's part of just encouraging self-efficacy and encouraging agency. You know, kids want freedom. They want to make their own decisions. And it's frustrating to them that they can't, especially Mm -hmm. once they get to that middle school, high school age. They want to be in charge. And that's why parents get pushback. That's why teachers get pushback, right? So if we can give them those little kinds of like nuggets of personal agency, you know, Mm -hmm. you get to choose. You get to decide. No one gets to decide what's important to you, but you. And, you know, even me, I don't, I don't, I could stand up here and say, this is what you should value. What do I matter, right? It's really what you want. So that's why we encourage that. That's, it's really like setting those goals making those value lists, and then holding up the information that's coming at them against those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, In setting long-term goals, I mean, we, we do it all the time as a society. What do you want to be when you grow up? We ask little kids, right? But then we forget that that's such a far way off. We've got to set other goals that are kind of closer and nearer for them to reach and make it a habit of setting a goal and meeting it and celebrating and setting a goal and meeting it and celebrating yeah. so that that becomes part of who they are as a person, right? Someone who goes and gets the things they want.
0: I love that. And, and it might seem like we're not talking about, um, you know, drug and alcohol awareness um, right. in this conversation. But um, I think that um, what you're describing is is such a complex series of thoughts. And it's things that adults struggle with as well. And even seeing the difference between, God, I had a a long day or a bunch of stuff happened today. I really need a drink, or I really need a cigarette, or I really need whatever. um, That might feel like something that someone really enjoys doing. Mm -hmm. But knowing the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy coping mechanism um, is... So baked into the work that you do and the work that you're describing yeah. um in in a lot of different ways um and I love that that you're talking about the, that thought process and and at seeing those things develop in students um so that they can discern the difference between those really complex thoughts and ideas
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and 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 that's what I always come back to is like this all does have to do eventually with. Protecting kids from drugs and alcohol because Mm -hmm. around and we're seeing it earlier and earlier. So we're seeing kids kind of have to make a decision about, you know, first time use at the age of nine and 10, where this wasn't we weren't seeing that before we were seeing middle school, high school and, and later middle school, you know. Now I'm seeing fourth graders. I'm seeing fifth graders have to kind of make that decision. That's a very complex, as you say, decision for a fourth grader, for a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old to make. Yeah. Um, so that's why it really comes down to building those kind of practices and those those character, that character education early, um, because they're going to have to make the decision. And I always emphasize that to them, like there's never going to be a point where you don't have peer pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Even adults. And I always tell them that I say, I'm adult. I get peer pressured all the time, Mm -hmm. right? But it becomes less scary as an adult. And one of the things I really work hard to do when I talk to kids about peer pressure is it's not scary as it's not this big kind of big bad. It's not a monster lurking in the corner. Mm -hmm. It once you face it, once you use your power you know, to say no, I'm going to stand up for me and my health. Right? It's so easy to keep doing that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them, you know, um, where do you think it can happen? And if it's fifth or sixth graders, someone always says down a dark alley.
0: <laughs> and I say,
1: <laughs> yeah, how many dark alleys do you guys go down? On a daily yeah, course? right. <laughs> and like they uh, say, yeah, it's 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 more likely going to be your friend just coming up with a bad idea. You know, let's go to my my you know, uncle's room. Let's go to my mom's room and see if she's got cigarettes. You know, it's, it's going to be a friend kind of, uh, you know, I took this from my older cousin. Let's try it. going to be one of those situations mm-hmm. more than it's ever going to be the stranger <laughs> in the dark, the dark, like, just jumping out at you. Right. Um, yeah. so, you know, and I say it, it can be harder to say no to a friend than it can to a stranger. Because you don't care, you know, if this kid on the bus offers you their vape, you don't care what that kid on the bus really thinks of you sometimes, right? So you might just be like, yeah, no. But if it's your friend, if it's someone you've known for a long time, if you've built this tight relationship and they come at you with it, that can be scary, right? It it can be scary to think, am I going to lose this relationship? Because kids value their relationships for a good reason. Um, so I try and take the fear out of it. Mm-hmm. I try and sort of, you know, make it this thing of like, hey, you face it once, you faced it. Um, and that's where all these other things come in, because we talk about what's a true relationship? What's a true friendship? Well, a true friendship, that friend's going to respect your no. You're going to tell them no, and they're going to say, okay, you know, that's that's fine, whatever. You know, if they don't respect it, then you know something. Then you've learned something about that mm-hmm. friendship. And you can make a decision about whether you want to continue it or not. And I tell them, you know, I've had to do it. I bet your parents have had to do it. Um, Sometimes we have an exercise where you go and you ask your parents, you know, were you ever offered like, did peer pressure happen to you? And how did it feel? And just hearing those stories of, you know, people saying, yeah, it happens kind of takes that pressure off a, a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. Totally. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for taking the time to talk about these things. Um, Is there anywhere where um, students, parents or anyone listening can find more information? Um, I know you said you're in schools 10 months out of the year, so um, (laughs) a lot of times it's probably coming to them. Um, But is there anywhere uh, that they can go to kind of find out more?
1: Yes. um, I really recommend parents checking out the Truth Initiative website. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I believe it's truthinitiative.org or I think it's .org. Mm -hmm. Um, Truth Initiative is fantastic. They have all kinds of resources about peer pressure, about dealing with it, about how to talk to your kids. They've got resources for kids. Um, They've got videos to watch. Um, So that's a great resource, I think. for parents to utilize. Um, and then, you know, just reaching out to us anytime parents have questions. If they don't know, you know, why is this so bad? Why is it so bad if my 15 year old tries edibles for the first time? You know, why is it so bad if my 16 year old vapes, um, ask us, you know, you can give us a call anytime. We're happy to talk to you. We're happy to educate you. We will give you all the resources that you need, um, to be able to, to talk to your kids. Um, so um, another great one is uh, the Catch Foundation. So Catch My Breath is a curriculum I use in schools. They've got a website. They've got parent resources for it. If you search up Catch My Breath, um, you can go there. They also have quitting resources. So if you have a, a kid at home who's, you know, maybe they did try it, they're, they're addicted to it now. They've got quitting resources you and your child can work through uh, together to get that resolved.
0: Great. Well, thank you again so much for, for taking the time and for doing the work that, that you do. Um, I know that the two out of the 12 months are probably coming up for you here pretty soon. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy a bit of the time off and, um, uh, and, and thanks for all the work that you do.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. It was great. Thanks, John.
0: This podcast was produced by Creagent Marketing and hosted by me, Sean Lukesic. It's made possible by Casa Trinity. Thank you for listening. And for more information, visit casa-trinity.org.